Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is a message brought to our church by a guest speaker. We hope that it is a blessing to you, and we would love to hear how God has used it in your life. In the book of Ephesians, <clears throat> chapter 3, <clears throat> I want to begin reading in verse 14. And uh, it actually begins a prayer that Paul prayed for his friends in the church at Ephesus. Uh, this passage is actually the second prayer recorded in the book of Ephesians, uh, the first one being in chapter 1. But I want to begin reading in verse 14. Paul said, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our, excuse me, our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. And all God's people said, if we were to go back and break down Paul's prayer, we could do it like this. Paul prayed for the Ephesians to be strengthened by the Spirit of God, to be indwelt by the Son of God, and to understand the love of God. And then when when he, he comes to verse 20, it's like he is overwhelmed with Thoughts of how capable God is of doing everything he just prayed and more. So much more. I'm telling you, Paul's concept of God was huge. Author Philip Yancey tells of a time when his pastor decided to pull a vacation surprise on his four children by telling them that they were going to Junction City, Kansas for vacation. 
Anybody know where Junction City, Kansas is? All right. Fort Riley, home of the Big Red One. Really a great place to be from. <laughs> There's nothing attractive about Fort Riley, Kansas. Am I, am I right? Yeah, yeah. So this brother's really going to appreciate this story. He chose Junction City because it was where his father had once pastored a church. And he assured his kids that they would have a lot of fun in Junction City. But here's the catch. He only planned to spend one afternoon there, and then they were going to go to Disney World. So all during the drive from Denver to Junction City, Yancey's pastor kept the kids' morale up by describing the wonders that awaited them. <laughs> Playgrounds, a swimming pool, and an ice cream stand, I mean, maybe even a bowling alley. And after arriving there and touring their grandpa's old church, the kids were ready to check into a hotel and go swimming when their dad dropped the bombshell. He said, you know, it is really, really boring here in Kansas. How about let's go to Disney World? Of course, dad expected the kids to jump up and down with delight. But instead, they complained. We don't want to get back in the van. What about the swimming pool? You promised. You said we could go bowling. <laughs> the great surprise had backfired. And for the next few hours, Yancey's pastor sat behind the steering wheel and smoldered as his children talked about all of the advantages of Junction City, Kansas <laughs> over Disney World. Now here's the point that I want to make this morning. Sometimes our idea of God and thus our praying is just too small. We're just fine with a merry-go-round in Junction City, Kansas when God is more than able and willing to give us the best that Disney World has to offer. The great D.L. Moody is credited with saying, we honor God when we ask for great things. It is a humiliating thing that we are satisfied with very small results. And I like these words from Philip Brooks who said, pray the largest prayers. He said, you cannot think a prayer so large that God in answering it will not wish you had made it larger. 
Every time I share that quote, I, I get this mental picture in my mind. God's up here and I'm down here praying. And I get through praying and God looks at me and he says, is that all you got? <laughs> is that the biggest thing you could ask me to do? Seriously? I mean, it's not like I created a whole world with just my words. And that's the biggest thing you could ask me to do. What I hope to do this morning with the Lord's help, especially in light of what we've seen this morning, is to enlarge your concept of who God is and what he can do in hopes of encouraging you to pray the largest prayers. Here's my first encouragement. We pray to a God who is able. I want you to listen to Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 27. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And what is the answer, church? No, there is nothing. Listen, there is nothing too hard for God. In every situation, in every trial, in every temptation, in every need, in every problem, God is able. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego found God to be able when Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon built this, this, this idol. It was 90 feet tall and 90 feet wide. And he commanded everyone in the kingdom to bow down and worship it when they heard the music. And everyone did. Except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused. Well, word got back to the king that those three Hebrews did not bow down and worship the idol as they were commanded to. And the king was furious. And in his rage, he commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And in essence, the king was willing to give them one more chance but if they did not bow down this time, you know the story, they were going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And to that, he added the question, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hand? And I love their response. Here it is, O Nebuchadnezzar. We are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, who we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hands, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, 
that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Now let me stop here for just a moment so I can point something out to you that I think is very important. These three Hebrews, listen carefully, did not presume that God would deliver them, but they believed with all their hearts that God could deliver them if he chose to. And the reason I make that point this morning is because I don't want in a sermon like this for you to presume that God will do the big thing that you ask him to do. He's under no obligation just because we ask. But I do want you to walk away from here this morning believing in your heart that you pray to a God who is able to do everything you ask him to do and more. Now their response did not sit well with the king. And so we had the furnace, you know, heated up. Seven times hotter than normal. And then he had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in. And again, you know the story. You know that God showed up. And he proved that he was able just like they said. And I love this part of the story on a day that was supposed to be devoted to bringing glory to the false god of Nebuchadnezzar. It ended up being a day in which the God who is able was glorified. So what does that story say to us? It says God is able. In our worst problem, God is able. In our darkest hour, God is able. In our deepest hurt, God is able. In our greatest struggle, God is able. On our longest day, God is able. In our most complicated situation, God is able. Listen, mom and dad, God is able to restore a wayward child. God is able to rebuild a broken relationship. God is able to rescue from addiction. God is able to reach the worst sinner. Remember the words of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Our God, whom we serve, is able. (coughs) We not only pray to a God who is able, we also pray to a God who is more than able. Hey, it's great. Is it not that God is able? But is it not even better that he's more than able? You see, God is not the God of barely enough. He's the God of more than enough. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above All that we ask or think. I would submit to you this morning that the problem 
when it comes to our prayers is not God. The problem is with us. As C.S. Lewis said, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And we're far, far too easily pleased. I know you're familiar with the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which was more likely the feeding of the 20 or 25,000 by the time you add women and children. Anyway, as the story goes, Jesus used a little kid's lunch of, of five little fish and two pieces of flatbread to feed that entire crowd. Once again, God was able. But he wasn't just able. He was more than able. You remember? Because they had food left over. Listen, God delights in doing more than we could ask or think. What about the story of Lazarus? You remember that story, John chapter 11? Jesus purposely did not go to his house when he heard that his dear friend was sick. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that he hung out where he was for how many days, church? Four days. Four days. He hung out, just stayed there. His friend's dying. They needed Jesus. He was just chilling out right there. Now, let me ask you this. How many, how many of you believe that Jesus could have just spoke the word right there on the spot and healed Lazarus. He had done it before, right? As a matter of fact, he had done it on three other occasions. The Syrophoenician woman's daughter, the centurion's servant, uh, the, the Capernaum official's son. Then why didn't he do it again? He could have. He could have said, Lazarus, be healed. And Lazarus would have been healed and everybody would have come and said, hey, 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 Jesus, you don't have to come. Everything's good. Like, really? But why didn't he? Why didn't he do it this time when he'd done it three other times? Well, according to the narrative there in the Gospel of John, it was because for the glory of his father, he wanted to do the exceedingly abundant thing beyond what anyone could have asked or even thought. Oh, church, listen. God is greater than our minds can conceive. They say that this is about the size of our brain. I know some of you ladies are thinking, well, that explains it. <laughs> this is about the size of our brain. <clears throat> Cut us some slack, ladies. We do the best we can with what we have to work with, okay? 
And that being the case, then it only stands to reason that we would have such a difficult time with a brain this small comprehending a God as big as our God. But aren't you glad this morning that that this doesn't contain all there is to God? Aren't you glad that our God is so much bigger than this? Well, if we know that, then why don't we pray like it? You with me? Why do we pray like God's all right here? He can't do anything more than this. When the Bible says that he can can do more than, than what we can even think. I love this quote by the old Southern Baptist pastor, Vance Habner. He said, too many times we miss so much because we live on the low level of the natural, the ordinary, the explainable. We leave no room for God to do the exceeding abundant thing above all that we can ask or think. Andrew Murray once said, beware, beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God, not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. We need to quit limiting God by confining Him to just what we have faith enough to believe in. How about we do what the disciples did and say, Lord, increase my faith. Ask him to help your unbelief. Let him out of the the little box that you have him in and let him be God in your prayer life. We pray to a God who's able. We pray to a God who's more than able. And we pray to a God who is worthy of glory. See, one, one real danger of praying big prayers and seeing God do big things is that in the end, we take the glory for it. Because after all, it, it, it was our prayer that did it, right? <laughs> no. 
It wasn't. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 115 and verse 1, (coughs) Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory. And be honest with you this morning. If all you're interested in is your glory, God's not going to do anything big in your life. Just mark it down. You know why? Because quite honestly, God's not interested in glorifying you. Come on. God's not interested in making us look big. He's not interested in making us look good. You know who God wants to look big? His son. Himself. He wants to do big things so that he will get the glory. So when he does that exceeding abundant thing above all that you could ask or think, give him glory. I'll close with this story about an incident that that supposedly actually happened. It was in Saudi Arabia. And a professional golfer had been invited to golf with the leader of the nation. And when they got done, <clears throat> the king was so impressed with this golfer's ability that He wanted to give him a gift. As a matter of fact, he insisted that he give him a gift. And of course, the the golfer explained to him, he said, your majesty, you don't understand just being here in your country and getting to golf with you in this beautiful place is enough. I don't need anything else. But the king was not to be denied. He insisted And he also insisted that the golfer name the gift. Well, so now he's on the spot. What do you tell the guy? The only thing he could come up with was a golf club. Thinking, well, maybe it would be like a gold-plated golf club with, with maybe some jewels or something in it. And so a few days later, there's this, this knock on the door, and he goes to the door, and there's one of the king's representatives, and he's, he's carrying a, a, a leather pouch, and he hands it to the golfer. So the golfer unzips it, and he looks inside. There's nothing but a piece of paper. Initially, he saw the pouch, and he thought, wow, this is going to be a really small golf club. But he opened it, there's a piece of paper. And when he pulled the piece of paper out, it was a deed to a golf club. Like the hundreds of acres that make up the golf club 
that he requested. So church, here's the moral of the story. In the presence of a great king, don't ask for small gifts. In the presence of a great king, don't ask for small gifts. Let me ask you something this morning. What's the biggest thing that God could do in your life right now? Think about that. What's the biggest thing that God could do in your life right now? Is it save somebody you love? Heal somebody who's sick? Restore that wayward son or daughter or grandson, granddaughter? Mend a broken relationship? Open a womb. Supply a need. Create an opportunity. Heal a hurt. Salvage a marriage. What's the greatest thing God could do for you? Right now. Whatever you're thinking, according to the word of God, he can do that. He can do that. And more. Let me ask you this. What's the biggest thing God could do for Moses Lake? Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you. And if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.